so much. What a blessing to have a choir and a music ministry that is committed not only to singing well, but to singing right. And, uh, and I am so grateful for that. Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, really wonderful job. Thank you all very much. What a blessing. For those of you that didn't pick up, um, uh, we, we did our Easter cantata this morning because um, uh, Kevin and Deanna did have a, a death in their family that precluded them from being with us on Palm Sunday, and it was just the best for us to shift things around. So uh, thank you all. Uh, you all did a wonderful job, and it is a blessing. So I am grateful uh, for the ministry that you all have for us. Uh, for those of you that have been a part of our church for a long time, you know that uh, cantatas don't preclude me from preaching so if you have your bible we're going to be in the book of mark chapter 10 you're going to have to listen quickly because i don't want to keep you here until one o'clock some of y'all laughed uncomfortably because you weren't exactly sure how serious i was i know we're good all right, so um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take their same theme of, of, uh, of, of Good Friday, which, or excuse me, of, of Palm Sunday, which is when that was supposed to be, and we're going to build off of that by looking at Jesus' march toward Jerusalem in Mark chapter 10. So if you will stand with me in honor of God's word, uh, we're going to begin reading in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed and those who followed were afraid, and taking the, 12, or talking, taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will, deliver and, or they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. Confident, aren't they? And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with, baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us hearts to receive, ears to hear, minds to understand all that you have for us this morning. Father God, make us uncomfortable so that we may find our comfort, our peace, our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Listen, if you're a guest with us this morning, I'm so glad to have you. Uh, If you've been visiting with us for the first time or the hundredth time, we do have a Next Steps class uh, as a result of issues in my family that got moved about a month ago, but we are going to have a Next Steps class next Sunday at 4 o'clock. That didn't make the bulletin, but we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, 4 o'clock, we'll meet right over here in this room, right behind the sanctuary. You can learn what it looks like to be a member of Malvern Hill. Uh, We would love to have you. I'll I'll be leading that 4 o'clock next Sunday. Uh, So please make plans to do that um, if, if, uh, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about us. All right. 
Hopefully now you've gotten there, you've heard the message or, 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 or the scripture, you've gotten sat down, you've gotten comfortable, the choir has gotten us all geared up. So what I need you to do is to take those same ears and that same mind with which you've given such attentive, attentiveness here, and I need you to hold on tight, and we're going to run through this. And we're going to take a whole lot in a hurry. We're going to drink from a fire hose for a while this morning. And we're going to pray that God's going to take all of that and make it work around in our brains. And perhaps not even just now, but over the next few hours and into the next few days, that this would ruminate in our hearts and lives and would change us. I want you to know that if you're following Jesus, you are going to be uncomfortable. It's really good to be uncomfortable. My family hates to hear those words come out of my mouth. I say it a good bit. I say it a good bit because the reality is no one ever grew until they were uncomfortable. Nobody ever got better until they were uncomfortable. If you want to get better in anything, if you want to grow in anything, it's going to hurt. As a matter of fact, even in life, if you want to grow physically, some of you know what it's like to have grown quickly at certain uh, periods of your life, and you know the pain that comes, growing pains. When I was in the, the, the third and the fourth grade, I can remember uh, hurting and just hurting so bad, and they took me to doctor after doctor after doctor. Nobody could figure out what in the world was going on. I just looked healthy as a horse. Um, I was kind of big as a horse too, but nevertheless, I looked healthy as a horse. Everything was fine. And I remember I sat down with this one doctor that my mom took, and why it, 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 we, we saw him, uh, I don't even know, it was a surgeon. They finally sent us to this guy and said, maybe this guy can help you. And we sat down, and he looked over all of my stuff, um, and he warned me. He said, son, do you drink chocolate milk? I said, I love chocolate milk. He said, you better be careful to turn you brown. That, that blew my mind. Like there for a minute, I thought, what? Well, and then, you know, then I looked down at all this white, fair skin. I said, Brother, I wish, you know, I need a tan. But he, he looked at it and, and he, he said to my mom, he said, There's nothing in the world wrong with this kid. He said, He just has growing pains. Well, that was comforting to my parents. I remember it wasn't very comforting to me. My parents said, Great, there's nothing wrong. But to me, I went, Great, there's not a thing in the world they can do. And so for just a little while after that, I endured the pain, growing pains. If you're going to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know there are going to be growing pains. It's going to be uncomfortable. Folks, if you're not uncomfortable as a follower of Jesus, if you've never been uncomfortable as a follower of Jesus, listen to me, you may not be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If you are not uncomfortable as a follower of Jesus, you may not be a follower of Jesus. Of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to make you comfortable. Jesus didn't even come to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. He came not to make the sick well, but to make the dead live. And folks, I'm going to tell you, my sus suspicion is that if you get brought back from death to life, it is not going to be comfortable. That miraculous, heaven-sent CPR is going to break a few things along the way. But in the process, God is going to make you into the man or the woman, the boy, the girl, the young person that he created you to be. Are you comfortable with Jesus? As Jesus went toward Jerusalem, he had a purpose in mind, and one purpose only. Jesus went to Jerusalem to die for the sins of men, women, boys, and girls. And along this journey, there's a reminder here. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. The kingdom was dawning as Jesus near Jerusalem, but his followers were increasingly uncomfortable with this revolutionary mission of Jesus. Up to this point, things have been okay. Jesus was a miraculous healer. He was a wonderful teacher. But as he approaches the, 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 or Jerusalem, as he moves toward there, so we begin. And remember, context is king in all the things. 
Just a few weeks ago, the, 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 the passage of Scripture right before this pericope, we see Jesus interacting with a rich young ruler. and he, he says to him, all the money you have doesn't secure for you anything in the kingdom of heaven. He says, as a matter of fact, you need to sell everything you've got because it'll be easier for a rich man or for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Folks, this is a curveball that Jesus' his followers are not comfortable with. This is not what they're used to. And then as if that's not enough, Jesus says... There's uh, some of you here who are going to be asked to walk away from your husband or from your fathers and your mothers and your children from your lands. He said, you're going to be asked to leave your family and your land for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And folks, at this point, Jesus' followers are messed up. Because as we're going to see in just a few minutes, for a good Jew in the first century, The kingdom of God was tied closely to three things. The people of God, in the place of God, under the rule and the blessing of God. There was nothing that they held more sacred than the place of God and their family, the people of God. And Jesus says, I'm going to ask you to leave your family and your place and to go to a place I'm going to show you so that you may do for me the things that matter. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that Jesus' followers, were you ready? Amazed and afraid. Are you comfortable with Jesus? It's time to get uncomfortable. How do we get there? The first thing this morning is we need to walk with Jesus. The Bible says the disciples were following Jesus at this point. Jesus is in the front. He should have been in the front. He was the teacher. He was the rabbi. They're following along with him on the way to Jerusalem. Folks, I'm going to tell you, when we walk with Jesus, we're called to walk with him in the good times and the bad. We're called to walk with him in the good times and the bad. It's true that Jesus is there for us when life is hard. We all know the, the, the Footprints poem. You've all read it. It's, it's printed in the back of funerals, uh, the, the, the folders for funerals a lot of times. You know, I was walking along and looked back and there was only one set of footprints. I said, Jesus, why did you leave me? And the, of course, the poem says, I didn't leave you. I was toting you through those hard times. Folks, I want you to know that Jesus is with us in the hard times. But folks, I also want you to know that sometimes we experience the hard times precisely because we are with him. Jesus calls us to a life of sacrifice. Following Jesus can sometimes make life hard. And so we walk with Jesus in the good and the bad. We walk with Jesus recognizing that he's calling us into hard things. But we also walk with Jesus because we want to know Jesus and we want to know his teachings. You don't know how you can learn the hard, uncomfortable things of Jesus' word, of of God's teachings. How can you know those things, folks? You've got to spend time with Jesus. The Lord. It's difficult to know much about Jesus if you haven't spent any time with Jesus. Some of y'all know my kid, Sloan, is my youngest. And when Sloan was younger, folks, I couldn't understand a thing in the world that kid said. I mean, it was like he talked with a mouthful of marbles and something else. I don't even know. He would speak. And, and I would, here's what I would have to do. I would have to look at the other three kids and I'd say, what did he say? I'm embarrassed to tell you, but it's true. You know what was funny? He'd go on a whole string of words, and I wouldn't have a clue. I'd look at the others, and, and, and they'd just, they would interpret Sloan to me. Why, why were they able to do that? Because they spent more time with him. You know, they, they spent time, they were with him all the time, and over time they began to understand exactly what was going on. Folks, a lot of times the words of Jesus seem Greek to us, but they only seem Greek because we hadn't spent enough time. Time where we can learn and interpret and understand. Any of you got siblings that you grew up with? Isn't it fun when you can get together with siblings, maybe at the holidays? One of the cool things that I love with me and my brothers is that we can speak so much without ever saying a word. 
We can sit around in a room and there'll be a conversation going on and somebody will say something that nobody else in the room thinks funny. And we can make eye contact and hit the floor right there on the spot. Right there, just right then, because we know there's a backstory to that one little comment. But we know that because we've spent time together. Folks, have you spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ? If you want to know Him, if you want to understand His Word, people say, Craig, I can't understand the Bible. I don't read it because I can't understand it. Folks, listen to me if you'll spend time with the Lord. The Bible says that He sends His Holy Spirit to give us understanding of this Word. Will you walk with Him? Will you walk with Him in the good times and the bad? Are you willing to walk with Jesus on the road to Jerusalem? Are you willing to walk with Jesus on the road to sacrifice and suffering? Are you willing to walk with Jesus into the place where you will be disrespected? Where you will be persecuted? Are you willing to walk with Jesus in those hard places? I'm going to tell you something. It's in those difficult places, in the hard places, that all of a sudden Jesus says things that just blow our minds. It's in the dark places of life that we hear God's word, and it unsettles our heart. But as it unsettles our heart, oh, the pieces begin to fit together, and we find hope and joy and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I telling you that following Jesus is going to be enjoyable all the time? All the time? No, I'm telling you that a lot of times it's going to be uncomfortable. But it's precisely in that discomfort that Jesus is going to shape you and mold you. So walk with Jesus. Number two this morning, listen for the hard things of Jesus. Now, listen, this requires a little different reading and listening. Y'all okay? Everybody listening quick? Good. All right, we still good? Take a breath. Listen for the hard things of Jesus. We tend to navigate toward the easy things of life. But we need the Bible. We need to read the Bible looking for the things that make us uncomfortable. A buddy of mine called me about a week ago, uh, or he texted me actually. He said he'd been out of the gym for about 10 years. So he decided to start back on a Saturday, and he started back by squatting. Now, most of you aren't gym people, so you don't really understand what that means. Let me explain this to you. If you can imagine. The absolute most uncomfortable thing you can do to your body after being out of a gym for about a decade is to put a couple hundred pounds on a bar on your back and squat down and stand back up with it 30 or 40, 30 or 40 times. Okay? Now, that is uncomfortable in the moment, but the real discomfort is what you know is coming. See, it's, it's uncomfortable for those 20 minutes or so, but you know that for the next five days, because listen, listen, as you get towards 40 it, it really does affect you for five to seven days um, when you're like 11 uh, I know this guy who's about 11 years old that works out with me every once in a while and uh, I, I, I put it on him not too long I mean I put it on him and uh, and he grinned the whole time I said oh you'll you'll see tomorrow you'll see and uh, he got he got up the next morning and I, and I, I like got out, you know rolled out and and, and began to limber up and I'm fine. And, you know, 12 hours later, I said, oh, yeah, now you're feeling it. Again. Not, not really. So I said, well, tomorrow you'll really know. And, you know, tomorrow comes around, and I'm, I mean, I'm dying. Like, I can't move. I can't breathe. Uh, I don't even want to live. And uh, something about being 11 years old, he's out running sprints. Um, but let me tell you what happens when you're 40, and you ain't been in a gym for a decade, and you decide to do that. You know that you're going to pay a price for maybe a week. I mean, it's going to hurt you. I said, man, why in the world did you do that to yourself? He said, I figured I might as well get it over with. I knew it was coming. Folks, most of us don't go back to the gym and find the absolute hardest thing, the most excruciating exercise. Most of us just sort of ease back into things because we don't like the hard stuff. We like the easy stuff. But listen to me, it's this love of ease and comfort. That's what makes it so difficult for us to pick up on the hard things in the Bible. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We, we certainly don't like to be wrong. And Jesus says some hard things. 
Revolution wasn't a big deal to Jesus' followers. They expected him to overthrow the Roman government. Revolution is what they were comfortable with. They liked the idea of Jesus as the revolutionary. But what they didn't expect was for the, the, the biggest revolution of Jesus to come not only against the Roman government, but against all that they held dear. Remember what I told you, Jesus is going to say some things that are really hard. They held most dearly, most strongly to their family ties, to their people, and to their place. And Jesus says, some of you are going to leave these lands. This is what he says right before the passage we get to. And you're going to leave this place and your people, and you're going to go do so for the sake of the gospel. I don't think it's an accident that it's after that passage, after those words that the Bible says, that some of Jesus' followers were amazed and afraid. Whoa, Jesus, this is too far. I'm okay if you want to go stick a knife in Caesar. That'll be just fine. It's okay with me if you want to blow up the whole Roman government. We can live with all of that. But folks, listen to me. He says, if you're trying to make mess with my stuff, then we got a problem. Folks, how many of you are good with Jesus upending everything over there? But if he starts getting a little too close to home, things start to get a little bit too uncomfortable. We got to learn to listen for the hard things. Up to this point in the Gospels, nothing has suggested to us that the disciples were bad people or didn't want to listen to Jesus. But here in one moment, their pride and their selfish ambition gets the best of them. See, it isn't that they couldn't hear Jesus. They didn't hear Jesus. They didn't hear the hard thing. Because the hard thing didn't end with leave your house and your stuff and your people. He goes on to say, I'm going to go die. You don't believe me? Look in verse 33. We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. After three days he will rise. Folks, Jesus puts this in black and white. If you're reading the red letter edition, it's in red and white. It is not any more clear. There is no illusion. There is no parable. Jesus says, I'm going to die. And the Bible says that James and John go, hey, Jesus, uh, listen, would it be cool if one of us sat on your right and one on your left? Parents, you ever have a moment like this? We have these moments in our house. We have these moments. Like you're dealing somebody the business about whatever it might be. You know, maybe it's a bad grade. Maybe it's like a room that's upside down, which all the rooms in our house seem to be always upside down. You know, you, you walk in, you got, I can't, I, I, I've been to some of your houses. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all always put it up before I get there. Um, I walk in, you walk in, and you're like, what happened to this room? There's like six feet of clothes in here. I can't even move. There are toys, there are clothes, there are Legos, there are dolls, there are, there are landmines everywhere. And what is the dog chewing on? What have y'all done? And I love this. Like you're fuming. There's, there's steam coming out your ears. You're doing everything in your power to not be screaming at your children because they'll say something like, why do you yell? And you're like, why do I yell? Why do I yell? Because I can't, if I'm afraid if I don't speak loudly, you won't be able to hear me over the mountain of clothes I'm standing behind. That's why I'm yelling. So, I mean, you're standing there, you've given all you got. You're out of breath. You're down like this. And somebody says, what are we having for dinner tonight? And you go, what? 
Did you hear what I just said? Do you hear me? And then if you got that one brave soul, this is what they'll say. They'll go, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? And I say, excuse me? And then I go, I, I meant, sir? Ah, I just want to move out. I don't get it. Jesus says, I'm going to go die. Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. He's jumping up and down. Do you see? I'm going to die. James and John go, hey, when we get up there and you inherit your kingdom, how about I get the right and he get the left? You good with that? Folks, knowing what we know about Middle Eastern people in the, ta- in the day, Jesus probably had long hair. He had a beard. How in the world he wasn't bald by the time he made it to Jerusalem? I have no idea. Like just pulling out just handfuls of his hair. James and John heard him, but they didn't hear him. Folks, how often do you hear, but you don't hear? We tend to practice selective hearing. We don't always do it on purpose. We tend to only hear what we want to hear. There's some neuroscientists who say that our selective hearing and seeing is a result of our brain's effort to filter out all the information that comes in. Our, Our brains actually have to filter out stuff or we'd just be overwhelmed with the flood of information that we experience each moment of every day. If my brain gave conscious attention to everything that was coming into it right now, I I would just be frozen. If I I tried to perceive of all of your facial expressions and, and of every movement and of all the textures of all the clothing and of all the sounds that would come through, I would just be frozen in that moment. My brain has to filter things out. Folks, we got to train our brains to see the things that are important. James and John weren't bad guys, but their brains were tuned in to see what was important to them. Position, power, influence. Jesus wanted them to hear something else altogether. He needed them to hear sacrifice and commitment. He needed them to hear that he was the Messiah, but he was not the one they expected. He needed them to hear that following him doesn't look like following others in the world. That leadership in his kingdom wasn't sitting at the right and the left. That leadership in his kingdom was serving Jesus needed them to know that he was going to be the supreme example by giving his life as a ransom for many. Next week we're going to see that blind Bartimaeus could see what the disciples missed even though they had full sight. But my question is, what are you missing? What are you missing? See, you've got to reorient your reading and your listening. Listen for the hard things. Listen for the things that make you uncomfortable. Listen for the things that unsettle and challenge you. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make you comfortable He didn't come to make your life easy. He came to save you from your sins. And folks, Jesus can't save you and keep you comfortable all at the same time. I was talking with one of our guys this week, and apparently, I don't don't know things, but apparently there's a a system they can use now. If you're digging in a hole, they'll put you on on like a harness and a pulley, and if all the dirt caves in, they can... Hit the button and snatch you out of all this dirt. Man, that sounds awful. I mean, you just think about that. You think about having half a ton of dirt come cave in on you, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a steel cable tightens up and it jerks you out of all that dirt. That, that ain't comfortable, folks. Like you're gonna come up and your legs aren't gonna be pointing in the right direction, your shoulders ain't gonna work. All your I mean, all kind of things are messed up. Like when that, when that harness pulls, sit like the movies, that harness begins to pull you through all that, it's going to break ribs, it's going to crack sternums, 
You're going to show a punctured lungs, but you're still going to be alive. See, that thing's going to bring you from death to life. It's not going to be comfortable, though. Do you understand? It's going to hurt. Oh, somewhere along the way, we began to believe that Jesus would do the miraculous, that he would bring the dead to life, and it was going to all be fun and comfortable. And I'm here to tell you that when Jesus changes your life, it upsets everything. But it's all worth it. Because he sets your feet on a solid rock that is Jesus Christ. He gives you a brand new heart. And he gives you a hope and a future. So I urge you this morning, walk with Jesus. Listen for the hard things. And finally this morning, obey Jesus even when it's uncomfortable. Obey Jesus even when it's uncomfortable. Come on, we got to hurry. Listen, S.M. Lockridge once said that a sermon should do four things for you. It should stretch your mind. It should tan your hide. It should warm your heart. And it should provoke your will. It should challenge you to do what the Lord would have you to do. I think that's a pretty good definition. I want you to know that just as a sermon should do those things, we should always go to God's Word, expecting those sorts of things as well. If we aren't careful, we can sort of approach the Bible as an academic exercise, just as something to be learned. Or perhaps even as a sentimental exercise, just something to make me feel good. Oh, how many of us think that this Word's just supposed to make us feel good? I'm here to tell you, it's supposed to make you feel right, and sometimes feeling right's going to hurt. And let me back up and say, even if it don't feel right, it's still right. See, reading God's Word should stretch your mind. It should be an academic exercise. It should stretch your mind, as Lockridge said. Reading God's Word should warm your heart. It should be sentimental. But folks, it's got to be more. It's got to also be corrective. It's got to tan your hide sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't God's word sometimes have to put us right? And it should be provoking. It should challenge us to serve the Lord. So I urge you this morning, obey Jesus even when it's uncomfortable. Folks, you can't grow in your comfort. You can't grow when you're comfortable. And if you aren't uncomfortable, you might not be following Jesus. Folks, the things that Jesus said to his disciples was scary stuff. And they were right to be afraid and amazed. But folks, we can't allow our amazement and our fear to be so strong that it blinds us or deafens us from hearing what Jesus said. See, the disciples were so amazed and afraid they didn't even hear what Jesus said. Jesus' teachings were so out of this world that the disciples said, whoa, we can't do this. Now, they weren't like the priests and the Sanhedrin members who on that, during that mock trial of Jesus, covered their ears and screamed blasphemy. No, it was much more subtle. Folks, we rarely stick our fingers in our ears and say, oh, don't listen, but instead it's more subtle. We don't hear it. Folks, do you hear Jesus this morning? Are you willing to follow him? Jesus, Jesus was calling his followers to follow him down a path that was unfamiliar and unexpected. James and John weren't uncomfortable, though. James and John heard all the teachings, they heard all the pronouncements, and they weren't afraid at all. James and John were too dumb to get afraid right now. They were a little too ignorant. James and John said, well, Jesus, look, I appreciate everything you had to say, but how about hook us up? Jesus responds with a mild rebuke. Folks, do Jesus' teachings make you comfortable? 
or do they make you uncomfortable? See, James and John heard what they wanted to hear. They internalized the teachings of Jesus that made them comfortable, and they requested to be seated beside Jesus. See, they were with Jesus, but they didn't hear Jesus. They were around Jesus, and they heard the words coming out of his mouth, or they heard that there were words, but they only internalized what they wanted to hear. Folks, how many of you showed up at church this morning and said, Lord God, make me uncomfortable? How many of you walked into this place this morning and said, God, undo me? God, unravel me? How many of you were willing to get up this morning and pray, Lord God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church and I hope when I get there, you mess my life up? Folks, Jesus was revolutionary, but not revolutionary in the sort of violent overthrow like some suggest. He was revolutionary in that he shook his followers from their comfort. He spoke against many of their preconceived notions about what it meant to be his follower and a true child of God. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, but he didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to love you, but he didn't come to make you comfortable. In fact, until you are profoundly uncomfortable, you probably can't experience the totality of God's love and grace, and you certainly can't lead others to experience Christ in his fullness. See, God's Word is a place of peace and comfort and refuge for me and for all of Jesus' followers. However, His Word is, if His Word is only a place of peace and refuge, I want you to know we're not reading it as we should. See, it should also be a place of unrest and challenge. The kind of place where we are challenged by God's Word. The kind of place where we become uncomfortable with something Jesus said. And why do we get uncomfortable? Because He said something that speaks against me. All of a sudden, I read that word and I begin, begin to be convicted because what Jesus said is the exact opposite of what I'm doing. Folks, when that's the case, let me just give you a word here. Jesus is right and you're wrong. Folks, as we journey from Easter with our minds fixed on the empty tomb, let me remind you all that a comfortable God is no God at all. Change only comes through challenge, and the God who can overcome death, hell, and the grave didn't do so to leave the world unchanged. He came to set the world right, and he gave his own life to accomplish that that purpose. Folks, let me urge you this morning to grow comfortable with discomfort and follow Jesus wherever he might lead. Are you willing to be uncomfortable with Jesus? Are you willing to be uncomfortable in your own sin? You want to be uncomfortable in your own shame? See, here's where we've messed up. We've made the church far too comfortable. We've made it too easy to show up at church and to not be convicted by your sin. We've made it far too easy for people to not hear what Jesus is saying, but to only hear what they want to hear. We've made it far too easy for people to walk in and say, Jesus, I want to sit at your right hand and your left. And we go, oh, okay. But Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you have no idea what you're asking for. Some of you showed up this morning looking to be comfortable and happy and you have no idea what you're asking for because if Jesus allows you to be comfortable in this life, then you will be uncomfortable in the next life because if he allows you to find perfect comfort in this life, you may never turn to him and find salvation. So hear me this morning. If you're always comfortable, you might not be following Jesus. If you're comfortable in your sin, you're not a follower of Christ. Do you repeatedly live in regular patterns and habits of sin and experience no conviction of that? Do you have no desire or drive to to change, to to, 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 to be forgiven? Perhaps you don't have that desire or drive because 
You don't belong to Christ. Do you find yourself unhappy in your sin but not sure what to do and you keep running back to your sin over and over and over again like a dog to his own vomit? As the book of Proverbs says, can I urge you this morning that there is more. There is more. And in the church of Jesus Christ of all places, we should be looking at our friends and our loved ones and our brothers and our sisters and our mothers and our fathers and our grandchildren. We should say, you will die in your sin and trespasses. But there is hope in the shed blood of Jesus We need to be looking at our teenagers and saying, you're 14 years old and you're living in sin. You don't belong to Christ. Be saved because the time is short. We need to look at our 25-year-olds and say, turn from your sin and turn to Christ. We need to look at mothers and fathers and say, bring your children to faith in Jesus early or you may condemn them to a Christless eternity in hell. We need to urge and beg and plead. You say, Craig, I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. And I'm here to tell you that until you're uncomfortable, you've not yet fully appreciated and experienced the plan that Christ has for your life. The church of Jesus Christ is the best place on earth. But it should be one of the most profoundly uncomfortable places on earth. Because the church of Jesus Christ, it is the place where all sinners are welcome. But it has got to be the place where the people of God call sin what it is. Not to cast stones, but to beg people in. So I ask you this morning, would you come? Jesus died so that you could live. You say, well, I'm just trying to live my life. 18-year-olds die every day and go to hell. It doesn't have to be you, though. Would you come today? You say, I'll make a difference one day. What day? Let it be today. Oh, you've lied to yourself for a number of years saying, one day, can I say to you that today can be the day? Don't lie again today. The disciples looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, let me sit, sit with you. Let me rule with you. Some of you are so worried about ruling in this world that you're really close to forfeiting the opportunity to live in the next. Would you come today? Would you come to Christ? Would you be saved? Would you turn from your sin and shame and experience the love of Jesus Christ? Today is the day. Don't wait. Another day. As we sing and as we stand, I know our musicians are going to come and I'm going to pray. Come today. Come today. Craig, it's uncomfortable. Okay, good. Then you're at the beginning. You got a good place to start. I'll be embarrassed. That's all right. Jesus was embarrassed when he's hung naked on a cross. Craig, I don't know. That's fine. We'll help you. Would you come today? Craig, you don't know what I've been through. I don't know, but Jesus does. Craig, it hurts too much. Would you come and lay your burden on Jesus? Would you come today and be forgiven? Would you come today and be healed? Would you come today and be made whole? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are good to us. Father, would you move? Would you work? Lord God, would you draw us unto yourself as only you can? As we sing, would you be honored and praised? you continue to work and empower your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Would y'all stand this morning and as we sing
Would you sing out to Christ?